It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's a Chinese spy balloon. In a brazen move by the CCP, Senator Ron Johnson responds to the unknown dangers on national security, along with Hunter Biden's attorneys turning the tables in a request for a DOJ probe. And then whistleblower FBI agent Stephen Friend calls out the FBI and the Department of Justice on manipulating statistics and exaggerating the nationwide threat of domestic terrorism. He says the FBI should be abolished. And Sidney Powell is here, just reinstated back to Twitter. She joins us to discuss the spy balloon, Ilhan Omar, and how to fix the election fraud once and for all. It's all next on Viewpoint This Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Allout here. And, uh, well, right about now, I would imagine everybody knows that we have this uh, this major story, this Chinese uh, spy balloon is what it's being called. Uh, uh, It's a significant story, uh, to say the least here. Let's uh, start off here and bring on uh, Senator Ron Johnson uh, joins me. Uh, Senator Johnson served as the chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee from 2015-2021, and now the ranking member for the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations. Um, uh, Senator Johnson, welcome to Viewpoint this Sunday. Always a privilege to have you here, sir. Morning, welcome. Hope you're doing well. This is this is unbelievable. I mean, I, I wouldn't have guessed this one. It's like a spy novel of some sort. We're starting right, well, where they're at, at 60,000 feet. What do you make of this story right now? And, of course, the Chinese are denying a lot of the things, which is pretty typical of them. What do you make of this? Well, first of all, it's not surprising that the Biden administration would not be particularly transparent. At the same time, uh, I would think you know, probably most, any administration would be somewhat cautious in terms of mm-hmm. uh, revealing everything they know. But, you know, from my standpoint, I, I would call the Chinese bluff. If this truly, you know, so they're saying it's a, a weather satellite that, that went off course, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they need to do is bring it down in, inside the United States so we can examine it, right? You know, they have the capability of bringing the thing down. We, well, that's we that, that's a that's down, a big question we, we, right now. That point right there, you say they're saying they can't maneuver it. The military is saying they can, but they're saying they are staying to the story. It's some sort of a weather balloon, and that it just kind of goes with the stirring currents. You're not buying that, obviously. And we should cooperatively shoot it down, exactly, and then we can examine what's in it. Okay, again, I, I would just I would just be putting pressure on the Chinese. Call their bluff on this thing and say we 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 have the right to examine, you know what it is uh, in this payload, you know what what is contained in this supposedly weather balloon, exercising our rights. They are obviously violating our airspace, and uh, you know we we should defend our airspace. Right, but, right. But again, it, 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 they're 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 doing this because mm-hmm. the Biden administration is so weak. As I've been saying since the beginning of the, and actually before, 
uh, President Biden took office. Uh, his fecklessness will embolden our enemies. That's exactly what's happening. And now our response to this seems to be pretty feckless and pretty weak mm-hmm. as well. Right, right. Well, let me let me read a couple of comments from the Chinese foreign ministry. Uh, they finally admitted the airship is from China. They were denying that at first, uh, but they are saying it's again for the weather sort of thing, and it's not that they're not controlling it. Uh, there's, they say it, it deviated far from its planned course. As always, they're covering up one statement after the next after the next uh, as they dig the hole deeper, which is pretty well what happens with the Chinese. Uh, everything is a lie. Uh, we just need to tell the Chinese exactly how they violated international law, what we're going to do to hold them accountable for it, and what we're going to do to find out exactly what that is in that balloon. I mean, yeah. again, I think do it in a very measured, very calm fashion, but just tell them this is what we're going to do. But you know, once again, you take a look at uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's ties to the Chinese government. Right. I've been saying this, uh, obviously, Chuck Grassley in our report tried to warn America how compromised President Biden would be with a host of foreign actors, but in particular China. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the news media completely not only ignored us. I mean, they sabot- they uh, uh, vilified us for uh, our story. You know, say- saying that uh, our-, our report was based on Russian disinformation. Uh, so again, the-, the mainstream media is complicit in the the extent to which we are compromised, this administration is compromised to do with the Chinese government. Well, and this story seems to highlight that point. And we've been talking about that being compromised, as you say, for some time with all the other factors involved in these relationships. This story really puts a spotlight on the point you just make right there. Now, what I see now, and you, I'm sure you know or have heard, there's a, another spy balloon that has been now reported and confirmed in Latin America. Uh, the Chinese spy balloons. So they're obviously on the move doing things. But is this a brazen attack from the Chinese or is this an experiment gone wrong? What does your gut tell you? You just really don't know. Again, what my gut tells me is China is taking risks that I don't think they would take were it not for the fact that uh, Joe Biden is a weak, feckless and compromised president. Uh, so again, I, I I don't know exactly what's going on, pulling off here, but we just need to assert our rights and do it very, very calmly, uh, but very forcefully. Yeah, yeah. You speak about Hunter Biden there. Let's talk about that next year. This, this is another eye-opening uh, deal here. And talk about flipping the script uh, so, it, and I, I don't know how many Americans have been following this, but uh, the, so Biden's lawyers, his attorneys, uh, have asked the Justice Department uh, and state and federal agencies to investigate this computer repair shop owner, <laughs> the, uh, Isaac there, and uh, Rudy Giuliani, and a number of other, as they say, uh, Republican-type figures uh, that are involved in this laptop business. Uh, and uh, they, they're using the term weaponized, the laptop contents against his father. Uh, they, and also, there's another letter, by the way, that they're going after Tucker Carlson and asked him to apologize and retract his statements, et cetera, et cetera, the media for claims, uh, you know, d- defamatory uh, statements or what have you. Uh, talk about flipping the script. We haven't seen this at all from the Hunter Biden campus. Is this just a deflection campaign of some sort? What do you think is behind this one? Well, it's just brazen, <laughs> and it shows you how it shows you how confident the left is. Yeah, and of course the Bidens are part of the left. How they are confident that the mainstream media will basically back them up 
no matter what their offense. So again, obviously in conservative circles, we're talking about how incredibly absurd these letters are and how it just basically confirms that those are, that is his computer. You know, those are his emails. Those are his, the, the, the uh, sleazy photographs. Those are hunters. So it just, they've been denying that. Uh, they've been lying to the American public. The, the, most of the mainstream media has accepted their lies or you know, certainly downplayed uh, anything to do with the, the laptop. Uh, but now, now they're coming out and they're going on, supposedly on the offense, uh, very confident that uh, other than mm-hmm. right-wing media, uh, they're not going to be called for it. Um, mm-hmm. So again, it's what I've been saying all along. It's, it's, it's not just the Bidens. It's not just uh, corrupt actors in the FBI or in our intelligence agencies. It's also a corrupt and complicit mainstream media. Again, not everybody in media, but the, the mm-hmm. bulk of the mainstream media are leftists themselves. They're part and parcel of the Democrat mm-hmm. Party. They're pushing their agenda. They're doing everything they can to undermine the Democrats' opponents. That would be us. And uh, they're, they're, they're very powerful and very effective in how they do it. Are we going to see something more? Again, not asking to get into too many details, but, you know, give us a sense of this Hunter Biden fiasco. Right now, it's been, you know, pretty vague. Um, will, will we see something happen on this with the, with the DOJ or is this just another smoke and mirrors thing deflection? Well, I, I am encouraged. I think uh, all conservatives are encouraged by how active uh, James Comer and, and uh, Jim Jordan are in their chairmanships in terms of pressing this. They're, they're already starting to subpoena records. Uh, so, but ha- having been in the position of trying to, of, of subpoenaing, for example, Christopher Ray and the FBI to get documents and knowing how they stonewalled us and they just ran out the clock and we didn't get uh, you know, but a fraction of uh, what we should have gotten produced. Uh, the, the, the agencies are very good at uh, utilizing uh, the, the number one excuse is, well, we have an active investigation. We can't compromise that. So we can't provide those documents. We can't be responsive. And, you know, the, the news media backs them up on that, which is why when I was on Chuck Todd a couple of weeks ago, I made the point again, which I've made repeatedly, that we do these investigations into wrongdoing within the political realm completely backwards. Uh, the, the public shouldn't be clamoring for, uh, we shouldn't be clamoring for criminal investigations right off the bat. What we ought to do is we ought to let Congress utilize its constitutional responsibility and authority to conduct oversight, uh, obtain the documents, so the American public can see these things. Uh, and then if there is evidence of criminal activity, then turn that over to the Justice Department for criminal referral. By doing it the way we do it, the, the Justice Department, particularly when it's a, a Justice Department friendly to the administration, which it always is, by the way, right? So if they're investigating their own administration, they're going to they're going uh, to drag their feet. Now, it's not exactly a level playing field because we have actors inside federal law enforcement that were completely opposed to Donald Trump yeah. and helped sabotage his administration. So it's not it's not a fair fight. It's not a level playing field. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we've got Jim Jordan. Who, I mean, is there is there anybody better in Congress at yeah, uh, yeah. at questioning witnesses? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I know, and we're talking to them. We're trying to provide every ounce of assistance we can to their investigations. Uh, Senator Grassley and I are. Yeah. Uh, but so I know we're dedicated in trying to get to the truth. It's just very difficult to get to the truth. 
Ilhan Omar, the Foreign Affairs Committee. Wow, what an uproar that was. Uh, and you must have uh, obviously seen it from across the, across the way there. And uh, But uh, the uh, the squad and the AOC and uh, is, uh, oh, a targeted woman of color. They made it all about racism, which is what they normally do. And uh, so this was uh, quite a story and she was removed. Uh, some are saying it was tit for tat, but of course they removed a lot of Republicans from there. But regardless, it really came down to the tweets and the comments that were clearly done documented about being on the Foreign Affairs Committee when you're making these egregious comments. Uh, any comment to that story? Uh, well, again, just, just, just the hypocrisy of uh, Democrats and, and the uh, mainstream media. Uh, I didn't hear the, the, the howls and screams when Nancy Pelosi was doing that to, uh, and exactly. House Democrats doing that to Republicans, and all of a sudden Republicans do it, to, I think, for justified reasons to, to a couple of Democrats, and, you know, <laughs> it's like the world is ending. So, again, it's no, nothing new. Democrats, mainstream media are a bunch of hypocrites. The debt ceiling showdown. Wow. House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy now. Uh, boy, it takes a little bit to remember to say that. But, yeah, he is indeed the speaker. And uh, he says he had a productive meeting with uh, with uh, uh, President Biden about raising the debt ceiling. We know what the, the, the sticking point is going to be, uh, whether they do any cutbacks or not. The debt is you and I talk about it many times over the years, uh, 31.4 trillion and rising uh, rapidly, uh, extraordinarily. It is now so much of our GDP. We're close to nine and about 100%. We're now working for interest. Uh, we can't even, uh, I mean, it's pretty, I don't think people really understand the gravity of what you and I've been talking about for years. We're kind of there now. We're coming right there. They don't want to cut anything. They want to continue to build. I don't know what they're doing. Borrowing from China, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. But what becomes, a, do you think this thing, I, I, I mean, what's your crystal ball say with the, uh, the uh, debt ceiling? Does it eventually get raised because of that? Or Biden's going to be forced to have some cutbacks? Or I don't know. It's kind of a Hail Mary, isn't it? Well, clearly, uh, our national debt is unsustainable. Uh, and we can go into all the stats, but it just, you know, a, a few additional points, uh, increase in interest rates, which is what the Fed is doing right now, yeah. uh, can be devastating in terms of just the cost of servicing the debt in terms of interest. Um, so we need to do something about it. Uh, I don't have the exact stack, but you know, since we've been over the last few last few decades, uh, we've had to increase the debt ceiling repeatedly. About half the time, uh, when we come up against that uh, uh, that deadline, uh, there is some measure of additional fiscal control passed along with the increase in debt ceiling. That's really the main reason we we have a debt ceiling is so that it's a painful vote, and if you're going to vote to increase the debt ceiling further. Uh, mortgage our kids' future, at a minimum, we ought to do is put some measure of fiscal control, either some additional spending cuts, look at the low priority programs and them, or, you know, things like uh, what I've been promoting since the day after my election, when I ran a or wrote a column for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I offered four things that uh, I would like to see attached to any debt ceiling increase uh, the full faith and credit or the no default bill just guarantees we prioritize spending properly in, in a situation like that. So we, we never put at risk the, the full faith, faith and credit of the United States. Uh, preventing government shutdown act, just take government shutdowns off the table. You know, fund agencies at the priority levels until you can work things out. Uh, the RAINS Act would uh, help uh, control the regulatory uh, burden of this country. And then one, one of my favorite little bills that reduce the size of the federal government through attrition act. You don't have to fire anybody, just quit hiring them. You know, re reallocate to departments that uh, 
need personnel. We, we, we have to reduce the size, the scope, the, the harmful influence of federal government over our lives. We, we have to do that. And right now, it's, it's, yeah. there aren't very many people that are pushing that in Washington. It's all about, you know, how can I buy more votes? You know, what, what can I spend more money on? What, what new piece of legislation can I pass that I can take credit for? that will further mortgage our kids' future. Yeah. I, I like the things you just presented, that you, one, two, three, four, those are really good sound principles that would get us back in some sort of being fiscally responsible here as a nation. But right now, uh, anybody in the Democrat Party, they have no knowledge. It's like they don't think this problem exists. So when you said, when you started off, you said, well, everybody knows. Yeah, I would disagree with you there because I don't think everybody, well, maybe they do know, but they're surely not admitting it. And they continue to spend like, well, like they own the place. I mean, there's no sign that they've come to their senses, uh, Senator. What is it going to take for them to do that? I mean, uh, do we have to collapse as a nation first before they, you know, figure it out or what? Well, it will take public pressure. And I guess until we have a really severe debt crisis, and I, I would argue 40-year high inflation is certainly an indication of a debt crisis. Uh, it certainly shows you that we've got a problem in terms of spending money we don't have. But uh, again, you, you don't, you know, the, the American public, they read news, right? And if they never read anything about uh, a looming debt crisis, if, you know, the, the, the mainstream media is very good at whipping up fear, whether it's over COVID, whether it's over yeah. climate change, so they're very good, the media, at creating a state of fear to provide the uh, justification for growing government control over your lives and reducing your freedom. Uh, but they're not very good at pointing out the problems that Democrat governance, that the radical left uh, policies have on Americans' lives. For example, you know, the, our growing debt and our growing debt burden and a looming financial crisis and debt crisis. Uh, what's happening at the border? Uh, so until the American public actually is informed about this, and again, then we're, we're all human beings. You need to be reminded of these things time and time again. But if they don't hear about it, they say, well, if it was a real problem, I'd hear about it, right? I mean, the, the newscasters would be telling us about this. Uh, no, that's not the case. And so it, it's going to take the public to be aware of this and to demand action, because until the public demands that we get more fiscally responsible, uh, the public does like their benefits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they don't want you to touch any one of their benefits. I, you know, even from people that vote for me, uh, they, they generally got, you know, a lot, a lot of people have at least one program they really like because it benefits them. So mm -hmm. uh, you know, FDR figured that out uh, back in the, during the New Deal. Mm -hmm. You can you can certainly buy votes with the, from the federal fisc. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of takeaways to what you say right there, and um, one is again the the hollowness of uh, honest media uh, to inform the people. And we're assuming, as you are and I am, and many others, a lot of people are not informed uh, in this country uh, that they just they're listening to the wrong media channels and they don't get it. Listen, we fight that fight every hour of every day here, Senator. Believe me. Senator, thank you always for your uh, for your honest work and uh, for your patriotism for our great country. Uh, we surely appreciate you uh, standing for truth. Well, stay well, Malcolm. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk to an FBI whistleblower up now, uh, just coming up in a moment here. Uh, will join us, and then Sidney Powell will be here as well. So we've got a lot more viewpoint ahead. Stay right there, friends. More viewpoint in just a moment.
The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Cold and flu season is here. Wouldn't it be great if you had a way to minimize airborne viral threats? Well, now there is, and it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray called Cofix RX. You might even say it's just what the doctor ordered. To reduce your chance of getting hurt, you wear a safety belt when you're driving. To limit sun damage, you wear sunscreen on the beach. Cofix RX is just like that. It's an additional layer of protection. It's sold by thousands of pharmacists and medical doctors nationwide. It's made right here in the USA. Again, it's a pulvidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray. You've heard them talk about it here on the Outloud Network over and over again. Check out cofixrx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com for a retailer near you or use coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and always a privilege to be with you, my fellow Americans, and to all of our amazing friends around the globe. Thank you for making Viewpoint this Sunday uh, your favorite show, and it is fast, uh, a big show. It's our number one show on the platform, and uh, incredible audience, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, now, uh, we're going to get on now to what a lot of people suspect, and that is the weaponization of, surely we know the Department of Justice, the CIA, and the FBI, and a lot of the other things that have transpired in our nation. I want to bring on here now um, what we would definitely call a whistleblower. Uh, Stephen Friend joins us. And uh, Stephen, uh, welcome to Viewpoint, sir. Thank you very much for having me, Mel. So Stephen is a uh, was a police officer in Georgia for uh, some years and then uh, went on to get what you call your dream job. And I can understand that uh, to become an FBI agent. Is that correct, Steve? Yes, yes. I mean, you know, I, I just grew up watching TV and movies and, uh, you know, you can't watch Point Break and not want a piece of that action. So uh, I got to actually get, be one of the few people in, in the world that uh, could say they got to never work a day in their life because uh, I was always enjoying being an FBI agent. Well, that is the key to life. And I always tell listeners, you bring up a good point there, is if, if you do what you really want to love, you'll never, it's like me, I don't ever, I, I, I'm busy 24 seven, but I don't consider it work in my life, you know, Steve? <laughs> so, yes, right. Yeah. When you do what you love, it makes all the difference, right? Yeah. Correct. I want work, not play, but uh, I think you and I got to get to experience the latter. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got, so we've got an interesting piece to talk about here now, including this coming uh, June, July, you'll have a book out. It's on pre-sale now. We'll get into that in a moment here. But you are telling a significant story and really coming out. Now, you did a, uh, and I want to get cut right to the chase of a very important statement you put out that got my attention, because it's kind of what I've questioned right along, um, it, truly. And it was a message you were, uh, were out with uh, on the uh, Glenn Beck um, show there. And uh and it was a statement you made, and I quote here, you say, you are incredibly tired of talking about the good men and women of the FBI 
And this is about the other agents responded with complete silence uh, when you spoke out about the January 6th raids and what had transpired with the FBI and so on and so forth. And now, of course, after that, we see the egregious things that have happened on Twitter and all of that that has transpired. Now, I want to talk to you about that because it's a statement that is said often from people, Steve, and it really does annoy me. The best way I can say it. That people don't stand up for truth, the out loud truth and their rights of justice. Where are the good men and women that people always talk about? And when politicians say that, I want to vomit, because if they were all of that, they would stand up for truth like you. You put your life on the line here and put yourself out there. Talk about that, please. Yeah, I share your sentiment there. It grinds my gears as well. I joined the FBI to do the job of an FBI agent, not to retire as an FBI agent. You know, it's it's a pretty sweet opportunity to get this great pension, and you know, it's a good opportunity for people to have a government job and they can kind of hide in the herd and really be underworked, overpaid for a matter of decades, and get to carry around this tiny gold shield on your belt, and people give you a lot of respect for it. Uh, I never viewed it as that. I, it was honestly a calling in my life. I uh, took an oath, and it was very serious to me. But uh, unfortunately, I, I was not surrounded by people that shared my feelings with that. I, I've written a, a column even on this where I basically compare the oath of office um, to uh, signing a iPhone user agreement for some people. It's just something you do and you don't really read the fine print because, you you know, you, you want that fun feature on, on your new iOS system. Uh, but uh, I feel like if you're a civil servant, especially in law enforcement or military, uh, it should mean something more to you than that. Yeah, that is well said, brother. That is well said. Let's cut to the chase of January 6th now and the egregious things that were going on. I want to bring it back to the point where, uh, and I'm serious, when you looked at things, when you looked around you, uh, and I, I could just imagine the moment, Steve, where you looked around you, you probably scratched your head and said, what the hell is going on? Tell me what that moment looked like and what you were seeing, please, at the FBI. Well, I had a background in uh, violent crime, so I had opened up 200 cases and I was really familiar with the process. And uh, when I got moved over to work on terrorism cases, which essentially meant just January 6th in my office, I could see we were very much greatly departing from those rules. And uh, then just being a critical thinker and investigative mind, I was asking why. And I asked my coworkers and they said that, you know, they'd asked those same questions and they got a response that this was to get buy-in, that we were going to open up all these cases and spread them around the field to get buy-in. And, and that to me means we're going to achieve our metrics as a, an agency, spread these cases, which should be one case, and spread them around the country and create this artificial statistical narrative that domestic and that terrorism is on the rise around the country. And that is just not the mission of the FBI. The FBI is about law and order, protecting the Constitution, protecting civil rights, even for the most egregious offenders. If the FBI is not willing to stick to its its guns on that, then uh, we can't have an agency. We can't have a law enforcement. We can't have a society. So that, that greatly disturbed me. And I had the experience of sitting down with a gentleman who actually was under investigation. And uh, he had gone to the president's speech, walked to the Capitol, asked for permission to enter and gotten it from a Capitol police officer. Wow. And now sitting in the law office for an attorney who he'd had to retain at his own expense, and had lost his job and was facing potential criminal charges, which, you know, on paper, you know, my office was supposed to be in charge of, but essentially, uh, and departing from our rules, F the FBI uh, in Washington field office was essentially running the case. And uh, we couldn't answer. We, we couldn't tell him whether or not you know, he was out of the woods. And it just became very apparent to me that the process is the punishment at this point for January 6th. And so, Steve, when that, that all happened, then it was what you're described here with the other agents and what was transpiring when you were asking questions. 
I'm guessing, assuming you obviously seen it all became very political. It was politicized and it became left and right and political. Is that was that the nature of it? Yes, I think it's political. And I think it's also ambition driven. Uh, you know, even if you disagree with it, but you're a climber you know, in the chain of command in the FBI, if uh, if you're in a position of leadership in the FBI and you have an opportunity to put your name on the case that is considered to be the most important investigation in the history of the Department of Justice and, and the agency itself, mm -hmm. uh, that's very tempting. So you have uh, a mix of raw ambition and uh, and people who believe in the righteousness of this case because I you know I sat in an office with a person in executive management who told me that those people tried to seize our democracy and that and that just that loaded language to me smacks of somebody who is you know a true believer in the righteousness of this case. Yeah, describe for our listeners what uh, you've asked for. I, I mean, you I think you've said things and you correct me on this if I've misquoted, but I I've seen writings I believe that were yours that you were calling to abolish the FBI. And that's some pretty strong language. If you did indeed comment on that, coming from a former FBI guy, is that correct? I think if you made me king for a day, that would probably be what my decision would be. Um, but I'm also pragmatic. I think you can make some very reasonable uh, reforms. But I think at, at its core, if I said to you that there's $11 billion uh, available for funding a federal law enforcement agency, uh, and I presented the FBI as it's presently constituted with all its scars and you know its failures to find the pipe bombers on January 6th and let the Larry Nassar investigation, and we have no explanation for Vegas, and it goes on and on and on. I don't think anybody in their right mind would say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you $11 billion for that. So there definitely needs to be a reform. Okay. Take a moment and sincere question. Describe, just so people get a sense, because I don't think everyone really does get a sense. Describe today's FBI. How would you describe it, please? Uh, it, there's four separate FBIs. So there is Washington Field Office and Headquarters. Uh, there's Quantico, which is the new Asian Academy. There's New York City. And then there's the rest of the FBI. So I had the opportunity to kind of work in the rest of the FBI, uh, especially in these small satellite offices, which get a lot of the, the work done. And they're, they're kind of operating on a shoestring budget and without a lot of oversight, you got to be high speed, low drag. And those are really the achievers. Those are the ones that you talk about, the good men and women in the FBI. But I think once you get into the bigger cities, it becomes uh, you know more government bureaucratic, more that DMV that we all kind of shake our head at. And then that's when the politics start. That's when you know, the people that never say no to a bad idea because they want to continue to climb. And as they climb, there's fewer and fewer positions available. And and, uh, and that's when there's a great disconnect between your management class and your rank and file. Okay. So safe to say a lot of the quote, quote, unquote, good men and women of the FBI are silent uh, for their own personal interest. Uh, I'm guessing many of them weigh the odds, look at the situation and then make this very difficult determination whether they're going to step out or not. You made that determination because as you qualified, you got into it for different reasons. Are there others that, I mean, the vast majority obviously are not making that decision. If they did stick together and made that decision, it would it would create a, a moment that would be a real moment uh, for this institution and the American people which is what I assume you you were hoping for or praying for, that more people would stick out. Did you think they would, or was you surprised? 
I did. I, I really did. I thought there would be this moment where they all kind of stepped up. Uh, all they did was just that one, you know, I am Spartacus type of, you know, theatrical moment. But I think there's also an opportunity here with this new subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. If they prioritize the, the weaponization uh, of the processes that the FBI has used against whistleblowers and the ones that are currently, you know, with the agency see that we and me and the others that are out publicly uh, get the protection that the laws do to us, they will feel coming forward and the committee will be able to you know get, have a lot of success with its investigations mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right the uh when you seen the the business that went on with twitter and the fbi there and what it transpired uh after everything you had seen and already been through and this this is in more recent times in january 6 uh how did that how did that hit you what did what did you discover with that well, just for perspective, 80 agents assigned to a sort of censor and monitor Twitter, uh, that is more than the entire Omaha field office, which was my first field office in the wow. FBI. So just wow. for perspective on, on resourcing. So that you know w- was really a huge to me, and it's not really been discussed. Secondly, I think that it's just indicative of this information industrial complex where we find ourselves. It's sort of like the military or the scientific industrial complex, you know. And, and coming out of nine eleven, the transition of the view of of national security from we need to preserve the continuity of government and pre- preserve the constitution to no American will ever be harmed at the hands of terrorists. Uh, that that means that we are going to exist in the security state, and you can't be free in that. Okay. All right. Let me get to the point. Now, you've been suspended uh, is the official role, but you're still sort of uh, tied to them. I mean, you're you're still there, but suspended. And that's with, with or without pay? Uh, without pay. I was allowed to exhaust my uh, vacation time, but then after that, uh, I wasn't paid. So, but they still haven't, but you, so what does that mean? You're in limbo? You're in limbo? What, what does that mean? Yes. So the FBI has found a way to skirt whistleblower protection uh, by revoking or temporarily suspending my security clearance. I can't be an agent. I can't enter the facility without a security clearance. So they've suspended it for national security reasons. Uh, so the, the, the real way they should do it is, you know, if they're going to investigate me for committing any sort of infraction, I should be, you know, continuing to work while they carry out their, their investigation. But instead, they've pulled my security clearance and made me go through a process where they assess my worthiness to hold a clearance. But uh, this process is kind of a dog and pony show. I, you know, I, I talk to them, they make re- recommendations to a committee, and this committee hasn't convened for four to five years. So essentially, they're trying to wait me out for financial reasons and hope that I'll resign. So you're under investigation then from them, I'm, I'm guessing. What is the charge? So they, uh, they, they've made a couple of charges. One is, uh, you know, my refusal on their part, they, their contention to uh, participate in January 6th, which I voiced that I didn't want to, but then they told me to stay home. So I, I think that I actually followed the directive. Uh, and secondly, they told me that I improperly accessed the employee handbook. What the hell does that mean? That means I went on the uh, FBI system and got a copy of the handbook for my attorney. And they said that I did that through improper means. So therefore that they, uh, they deemed me to be a security risk. Well, that's unbelievable. I mean, obviously, the attorneys can uh, uh, deal with that one. That's a nothing thing. If it's out on the Internet, it's public, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's an unclassified document that's housed on a classified system, which I think is something that we should probably be looking into. You know, why, why is that? Uh, but, uh, yeah, they said that I, I used an improper device to download it, which the device was a device that they gave me to for child pornography investigations. It was a blank jump drive, but they said that was improper. Interesting. So there's some sort of a technicality they're using, as you say, to skirt the whole story, right? Correct. Basically is what it is. Yeah. All right. So the so since you had all this time on your hands now in the past uh, months, you wrote a book, right? 
I did. I, um, I yeah. wrote it last, uh, last fall, um, just as a sort of a reflection on what, what happened with my, my situation as a whistleblower and, and then some of the good work that actually goes on the yeah. FBI. All right. Well, that's good. So you're, you're fear, you're being, you're not, uh, right. That's, that's good to know. It's good to know. So you're not just, uh, uh, hostile toward it, but you're being honest and fair and open to it. I appreciate that. Respect that. Uh, now the book is in pre-sale mode right now, but we, we do have it in the bookstore at America Out Loud. You can get it on the front page as you listen to Viewpoint this Sunday here. It's called True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. And it's a, it's a fantastic write-up that I, I see you have here because you talk about the uncovered efforts by the FBI and Department of Justice to manipulate the stats and exaggerate uh, the domestic terrorism claims. These are things I'd like to talk to you about in the future. I'd like to certainly have you come back and talk a little more with us and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, you lay it out there. But I wanted to tell people about the book, Just This Case, because it is in pre-sale. And I know it is it, it is a story that should be should be heard, uh, Stephen. And, and so we, we want to get that out there with you here. Thank you very much. It's a story that I'm hoping to share uh, in the upcoming subcommittee hearings. So uh, I appreciate any support that anybody can give me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Stephen, you are uh, certainly a patriot and appreciate your uh, story very, very much. Um, we will stay on it and stay connected with you and continue to do our part here. But uh, let me remind you of the book again, friends, True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. Uh, and this story is not going away anywhere. And we'll see what happens with the FBI and how they continue to handle this. But it, it is going to be... Uh, uh, probably eye-opening to see what transpires here. Mm, wow. Well, we're going to take a quick pause here, my fellow Americans, and up next here, Sidney Powell will join us. And uh, we've got lots of talk and catch up with Sydney there. Now stay right there, friends. More Viewpoint in just a moment. We are the vision of the voices. You can email us at talk at americaoutloud.com. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, friends, and uh, joining me on the broadcast now, Sydney Powell is here. She's the attorney, former federal prosecutor. Uh, she, of course, was the lead counsel of General Michael Flynn. Uh, has that book, License to Lie? She was ahead of the game on a lot of things she talked about in that book. It's in, it's on Amazon bookstores or in the America Out Loud bookstore, as uh, all the books are there. And uh, Sydney, always good to have you here on Viewpoint. Welcome. Thank you so much, Malcolm. All right. So I think the big news, and I was so excited to see this, you were finally, uh, there's so many of our friends that got 
throw, tossed off and thrown off uh, social media, specifically Twitter and Facebook as well, a lot of folks. And uh, But uh, you you're just got back on, so your account was reinstated, yeah? Yes, so I'm very excited to be back on Twitter. It's it, it's such a good platform when yeah. it works properly, and it, <laughs> it doesn't when it doesn't discriminate against conservatives. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And you know, a uh, lot about everybody was thrown. A lot of people was thrown off there. Peter McCullough was. He was just brought back. Uh, oh, about a month a month or so ago, I think. Uh, anyways, and. Um, did um was there any correspondence? I I mean I don't know this, but from Twitter, did they send you anything or like I don't know any apology or just just here's your account? Oh no, fun? no, nobody's Twitter said nothing to me about it at all. Several other people texted me and said, "Hey, we see you're back." I didn't even know I was back until other people told me. So what they do is they just turn people on and they don't tell them, right? That's weird. I didn't I didn't realize I thought he would take a bow or something or, you know, no, I mean, like, no, no notice, no notice of being taken down, no notice of being reinstated. Wow, it's it's unbelievable. All right. Well, at the center of this uh, Twitter storm has been the censorship, obviously, but that's to say the least. I'm in Facebook at the worst. And uh, the FBI in cahoots with Twitter and the censoring of all of this uh, that has gone on. Uh, and of course, the censoring all the the New York Post story and all the the, the laptop story. God knows everything else they censored and done. Um, so let's let's take the feed now because you've you've gotten pretty good and pretty active on there, and you you always use um, Twitter in a good way. And I'm you know I'm hoping I'm just thinking out loud here a minute. I'm hoping they bring Tony Schaefer back, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, Spooky. You know he he was tossed off yeah. too. And he just launched a show on America Out Loud, uh, in fact, this weekend, uh, The Hard Truth with Tony Schaefer. So I'm hoping they bring him back because he was one of those cats that was very sarcastic on there and had a lot of fun. He was an enjoyable feed, you know, uh, like you. You're a bit that way, too, aren't you? Uh, so, right. <laughs> I, I try, I'm usually not sarcastic unless it's clear that I'm being totally sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you do some. I see some of your tweets are pretty good at poking things. And uh, that's all right. Tom Rensers as well. He loves that. It's it's kind of a brand of political humor that a lot of people use to fight back at the system, actually, you know. Um, yeah. So let's, let's look at your feed over the last day or two. And I want to start right with the FBI, because you put a, a tweet out there, FBI to build woke temple. And I seen this story just recently, actually, and they're going to build this, uh, they call it a woke temple that expands its ability to target the right was the message from Julie Kelly, uh, M. Greatness. And um, uh, this is a huge complex, twice the size of the Pentagon they're talking about. What's interesting is I just had uh, Stephen Friend on a whistleblower with the FBI talking about since January 6th, the egregious things that have happened uh, with the FBI and the censoring of, of, Demo- uh, of uh, Republicans and, of course, Donald Trump and all of that. Um, what do you make of this story with the uh, the FBI and uh, and also the recent developments of Twitter? And I mean, you as an attorney, you, you know how important this is. Oh, yes. Well, I mean, we've witnessed pure fascism in the United States of America, where the government and corporations control everything that's going on. It's absolutely terrifying. I never thought we'd see this level of censorship in the United States, and particularly coming from the government through corporations and have used them to collect information on Americans. I don't think there's any dispute about that any longer. Mind-blowing the level of control and censorship that we are learning about. 
and thanks to Elon Musk for helping disclose it. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the things that have uh, we all see is the collusion uh, that is happening between big government and media as a whole and social media. Uh, Sydney, that's the that's the entryway to a totalitarian uh, nation, a regime, and that's kind of our biggest fight right now, isn't it? Is this what we're talking about? It is. It's it's got to stop. We've got to go back to a, a free press that isn't owned or controlled by one political party, mm-hmm. and certainly means of communications that are not censored. All right. I, I want to talk to you about the uh, uh, another message you have out about, which I thought was great, by the way, Ilan Omar. Uh, first of all, Mark Levine had a message out. Omar received a standard ovation from the Democrats. That tells you all you need to know about the party. And of course, this is uh, her being uh, off the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, she was removed from that on a vote uh, that McCarthy did. Said she could be on other committees, but not that particular one with all her uh, racist comments and what have you. Of course, the squad on AOC went crazy, and uh, they called out and said, it was, you know, censoring a woman of color and so on and so forth. You know, you had a tweet after that, which back to uh, which I, which you have actually four little smiley faces laughing. So it kind of gives you a sense of what you said. And I love your response. It says, what is it with the arm waving of these leftist narcissists? Oh, you want to take it from there? What does it gather about that, Ilhan Omar? I love that message. Uh, oh, my gosh. I mean, every time she or any of the squad talk, there's this <laughs> arm flapping that just distracts from everything they're saying. And if you turn the sound off and watch, it's hilarious. Yeah, it I, I mean, do they teach that in, in commie school or, or Hitler school or or whatever it is, somebody put up a, a silent, I think it was a silent post of, of uh, Hitler essentially doing the same arm gestures. Yeah, um, that was obviously the right decision. Obviously, Ilhan Omar, a lot of people question how she ever got on the Foreign Affairs Committee, Sydney. Well, that's that's a big problem. I mean, she has very close ties to high-ranking officials in Somalia and keeps in touch with them. And Somalia has one of the most corrupt regimes on the face of the planet. Well, listen, one of the biggest stories we're dealing with over the weekend here is this spy balloon, which you commented on very appropriately in the feed here. And uh, I don't know. Now, you listen, I don't know if you've seen some of the press conferences that the military generals were doing, but I mean, they were a total waste of time. Every question that was put out there by the press, every question uh, the, the general kept just like, uh, well, can't answer any of that, but, you know, stay tuned. Uh, I can't. And I mean, he said, yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll, We're answering all your questions, but then they never answered a question. I mean, shit. I mean, what we're is answering that? all your questions. If we can't answer your question. Yeah, that's real helpful. <laughs> that's what was happening. It was talking about comical. I mean, just watch a couple of minutes of that press conference and it's stupid. I mean, he wouldn't say anything. I, I did not watch it. I mean, there's yeah. there's a very simple solution for that balloon. Before it entered the U.S. airspace, it should have been captured in some fashion, taken down to a hangar, and thoroughly inspected for everything that it's collected, at the way they're doing it. I mean, complete reverse engineer the the process. I mean, that's what China would have done had we tried anything like that over there, if not. Well, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Think about that in reverse to psychology. What if this was on the other hand? First of all, we would have never gotten a balloon in that country, would we have? 
No, in fact, there was an airplane that got too close to their airspace uh, years ago, was forced to land, and its crew captured, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't they don't play well with others when it comes to that. And yet, uh, no. we, we've become a laughing stock, really, Sydney, with all of this. And uh, but you know, I asked uh, Senator Johnson in front of the program uh, extensively about this, and you know, he even questioned and was concerned in this way that you know, this could very well be a trial balloon and something that they're doing intentionally to see what our reaction is, how we're handling things, what we're doing with it. And, you know, this could be a future attempt for something else. An EMP attack could be some sort of activity, military or otherwise, nuclear, whatever. I mean, that could go up in the atmosphere and create havoc. I mean, and, and he points that out as a possibility as a trial experiment. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's entirely possible, if not highly likely. At a minimum, they're collecting detailed information on everything that's going on within the visibility of the devices on that balloon. I mean, everything. And there is nothing good about that. It should not be allowed. They certainly would not have tolerated that for five seconds anywhere near their country. Is it safe? I mean, they're saying it just went off course and all of this, but that doesn't make any sense. So is this really come back to the point of what we've been talking about in months and years past is that really Joe Biden is a puppet of the regime and they know he's not going to do anything, which clearly seems to be the case. What do you think? Of course, he's a puppet of the regime. They didn't give Hunter the hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions that they gave him. Uh, just for him to feed his cocaine habit. They gave it to him because he was the son of the vice president then and president now. And they helped make him president. Can't argue that at all. Very significant story in your feed that I want to talk to you about that is central to a lot of your fight that I thought was something I'd like people to be aware of, Sydney, And that is this video that goes back in time uh, NBC News casually mentioning about 10 months now, let's get the timeline right, before the 2020 election, that the ESNS is using 14,000 modems to connect voter machines to the Internet. Now, remember, there's 10 months before the election, but then said, but don't worry, they put them behind a firewall and they are turned on for just seconds. Well, that was the message coming <laughs> out of the <laughs> this story. <laughs> Yeah, nothing to see here, folks. Move on. And oh, by the way, my, my Twitter feed is at Sydney Powell, S-I-D-N-E-Y, Powell, the Roman, I mean, the regular number, Arabic number one. Yeah. So what do you make of this with NBC News? <laughs> Listen, we have gone back and, and found clips of the Democrats and, I mean, really prominent Democrats and even testimony of someone in front of the House committee back in 2004 talking about the ability to make an algorithm to flip votes and have the algorithm disappear. Clint Curtis testified in front of the House Judiciary Committee back in 2004 that he had been hired by the Republican head of the legislature in Florida to write an algorithm for Bush to flip votes to Bush in southern Florida. and. That's just been, you know, nobody paid any attention to it uh, until we found it. And everybody needs to watch that. I'll probably post that later today at Sydney Powell 
the number one. It's Clint Curtis testimony. And the people on that committee were absolutely shocked. Guess who they were? Jerry Nadler, Maxine Waters, Mm. uh, and a few other extremely prominent Democrats. So it looks to me like this has been a uniparty problem uh, from the get-go. It seems to have started as early as 2000. There is a lot of information at DefendingTheRepublic.org about all of the means of voter fraud and, and where it's happened since then. I'm talking about massive election fraud, including using the machines. And until we get paper ballots, hand-counted, I mean, true paper ballots, not ones generated by a computer because they put out a non-human readable QR code that could have something entirely different in it than what you actually put on your ballot. Mm -hmm. So we got to have old-fashioned paper ballots, and they need to be hand-counted precinct by precinct, and people ought to have to vote in their precincts. Yeah, yeah, and show an ID. (laughs) Yeah, um, and definitely really, voter ID for only citizens. Yeah, I mean, that's a reasonable request, because only really. citizens are entitled to vote. Well, right. It's a reasonable request, but they don't make it that way. Well, Mike Lindell uh, messaged and said, we have to get rid of, as you say, all the voting machines and save our country. And that's a narrative that you have been consistent about with me over these years about the voting machines. You say, bring it back to a hand ballot. Some people look like, what are you kidding me? But it does avoid the corruption, uh, which they talked about well before the 2020 election with the hackers. And of course, it was well before 2016, actually. And this thing's been going on for many election cycles. Now they're just getting so brazen because they ramp things up. And there's a lot of peculiar things going around. Uh, in addition to what happened with COVID, where they changed all the rules that made this thing prime for all kinds of nefarious things to happen, Sydney, in 2020. Exactly, and Mark Zuckerbucks and everything else. Yeah. It was a it was a well organized, well funded effort to to change everything and make sure they had ballots to cover the fraudulent votes and to get Biden installed as president. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you something about um, uh, your thoughts, really, honestly, about um, Arizona and Carrie Lake and and that whole group. Um, uh, Tom Rents, who um, is on our platform here, is uh, the Tom Rents Show. If you're listening to that, friends, weekdays at 6 p.m. Tom's doing a bang-up job with this show. It's incredible uh, and uses a great brand of sarcasm to get the point across uh, in, in a big way. But he's been pretty um, involved in, uh, on the backside of what's been going on in Arizona. What do you think? What's uh, what's your sense of feeling in looking at Arizona with Carrie Lake? What do, what do you get out of that, please? Well, I have no doubt that she was completely ripped off in that election. I think there were a quarter of a quarter of a million ballots that uh, did not get counted on the first day of voting. And that is not a coincidence because that is when her supporters would have showed up in major numbers. Whether a judge will actually do something about that is remains to be questioned. I was looking back at some things that showed how confident I was before we got our cases filed that a a federal judge would hear the evidence and that we could get something done. I mean, the first step would have been to secure the machines for a professional forensic inspection of them to see what traces there might have been of what really happened. 
or to confirm that Biden actually won. I mean, one of my main goal was to put to rest the issue once and for all. If it did show that, that Trump should have won and that something funny was going on with the machines, that's one thing. We would have proceeded to the next step of decertifying the electors or declaring fraud or holding a new election in the state, you know, whatever remedy was needed to correct the problem. But the first step was to secure the machines. We succeeded in getting a temporary restraining order for the machines in Georgia, but it was too short-lived to do anything about it because the judge just flew in shortly thereafter and dismissed our whole suit. And then that's what happened across the country. They all dismissed our suit, frankly, on bogus grounds of claiming we didn't have standing when we represented electors who were named in the Constitution. If we didn't have standing, I don't know who did. So I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, the reason that I thought or was so sure we would win was because we had so much evidence. I thought the judiciary would do something about it. Mm. Now Carrie Lake's in the same position in Arizona. What is the uh, process? Uh, I mean, as an action item for everyone listening to understand Back to securing elections. It's one thing to put that out there as, you know, like, okay, as a brush off, but it's another thing to really get back to hand ballots, as you say. Uh, I mean, what would it take to really, I mean, how tall of an order is that? How, How could we do that? It shouldn't be that hard. In Texas, it has to be done county by county. In Georgia, it's apparently done by the Secretary of State and or the in combination with the legislature because they voted the money to purchase the machines in Georgia. And then the Secretary of State put them throughout the state. So it can be different state by state. But I think most places it's county by county. We noted a county in California just did it within the last month that they were going to have no machines and they're going to have paper ballots hand counted. Is that right? Yes. And I think there are a couple of other counties in the country that do that. So the counties could do it on their own, right? They can make that decision and do it. Yeah. In most states, I believe that's correct. It saves millions of dollars. It saves tens of millions of dollars. It's far more expensive to go the computerized route. And they used to claim we did it because we could get results immediately. Well, we now know that's a lie, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, for sure. We hardly ever get the results that night. Um, They're doing it because they can manipulate the results. Well, I'd like to encourage folks then within your local, everything is localized really in your local jurisdictions and in your counties and your county governments and cities and what have you. Make that a movement and get them to go back to hand ballots and push that. And if enough citizens do that locally, that's where the power is, Sydney. Exactly. When a couple of hundred people start attending every county commissioner's meeting and demanding paper ballots and it grows the next meeting and it grows the next meeting, they might start getting some attention. There you go. There's the answer right there. I'm glad we asked that question just to see what uh, what would transpire there. Um, It's a privilege to have you on Viewpoint this Sunday. Thank you. Thank you, Malcolm. And follow me at Sydney Powell one and at sydneypowell.com defendingtherepublic.org fighting for liberty and justice for all as we say there friends thank you again it's time to get involved and get loud america